There's 1,440 minutes in a 24-hour clock. When people say to me they don't have time to meditate, I kind of laugh and go, wow, in 1,440 minutes of the day, you don't have 10 minutes to look after your own well-being, your own personal health. Hello, it's Andrew May, and you're listening to the NAB Business Fit Podcast, where we talk to experts in a range of fields, delving into their world to learn lessons that can be applied to running a small business. Today's guest is many things, including an author, a meditation facilitator, and an intuitive counsellor. She's also one of our colleagues on the NAB Business Fit program and has been delivering regular relaxation classes for small business owners. Tammy Ruse began her meditation journey back in 1999 when she enrolled in a primordial sound meditation workshop. I need to know what that is. Tammy has led programs for the Melbourne Demons and the Sydney Swans AFL teams to improve mental states for both players and to boost team performance. She's the co-author of Sport is Life, Life is Sport, with her husband, Paul Ruse. He played a little bit of AFL. And her latest book, Presence to Power, I Am the Gift, is a blueprint for anyone looking to find ways to relax, reconnect, and empower their lives. Many people call her a meditation expert. I think that is underselling her. I think Tammy is a master at helping us navigate this crazy, constantly changing, constantly evolving life that we lead. Tammy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Andrew. I appreciate it. You've done a lot and I want to (sighs) dig into your story, the meditation story. I can't wait to ask you, what was it like back a number of years ago when you first delivered a meditation program for AFL footballers? But let's come back first of all, because I'm sure a lot of people listening, Tammy, like I was many years ago, are confused about this word meditation, are scared. There's barriers around meditation. So to start simply, what is meditation? Well, it's a great question. And you're right. I think there's still so many misnomers around uh, meditation, what it is and what it isn't. So to simplify it, um, I define meditation as learning to relax the body and quiet the mind. So it's a form of relaxation. I think that's really short, sweet, succinct. And that's really what you're learning to do as you relax your body and the mind quiets quietens, sorry, you actually create this real synergy between the mind and body and create balance. You also go into a restorative state. So it's really about relaxation. And I think most people enjoy the idea of being able to relax. It's simple, isn't it, when you say it like that? And we've done a lot of work together over the last six months on NAB Business Fit. And when I first heard you say that, you know, relax the body, quiet the mind, I'm like, hey, I need to be more relaxed. I need to sometimes quieten my (laughs) monkey mind. But I do think a lot of people have heard about transcendental meditation, which is probably mm. very evolved and months and months of learning. And it, it scares a lot of people off, right? So how, mm. how would you advise someone listening to this who is either dabbled in a bit of relaxation and meditation or is just starting? How should they start their progression into relaxing the body and quietening the mind? I think the biggest thing that you can actually do, and it's really simple, just even start it. And we can start seeing shifts if you are consistent with this, is just focusing on your breath. So science has shown that if you listen to the sound of your inhalation, as in physically listen with your ears to the sound, as you inhale and exhale, you can't have a thought. And I think most people have no recognition of that. And it is such a good tool to understand that if, I all, if all I have to do is sit here and just go, okay, my mobile phone's on silent, I don't have my, you know, my computer screen or I'm, I'm, my back is to that or I'm just trying to sit in a space where it's quiet and I just 
the sound of my breath, then you're actually starting to already go into a meditative state because what happens is as you focus on your breathing, as I said, your mind quiets because you're, you're focused. So your attention is truly on the sound and automatically all your awareness is drawn within you and you realize the body's relaxing and you, you kind of sink and you feel quiet. Even when you say that, it's your dulcet tones when you explain <laughs> it. It's the breathing. I could feel myself relaxing. So it's pretty easy when you push it like that, isn't it? Just to focus on the breath, to quieten. So why aren't we all doing it? Why do we have this hyped up, overstretched, overwhelmed society from you know, t getting worse with teenagers and social media? There's another whole interview we could go down the rabbit hole for hours. Exactly. So if it's that simple yeah. to relax the body, quiet the mind, why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we teaching this in schools? Why aren't companies starting their day doing some relaxation exercises? I think number one, it's a great question. <laughs> one I have contemplated for a number of years. Look, I think there's some schools, I am going to give credit where credit's due, that are trying to do something about it. But the biggest thing is um, people fundamentally just think it's one more thing on the to-do list. And they're finding because, as you already said, they're already overwhelmed. It's like, I can't even comprehend this now. I, I can't even add one thing to my list to my day that we're going to do. And the irony of this is the benefits that you start to experience for yourself with the meditation practice are so far outweigh any time that's required to practice. Like, so say it's a 10 minute, as you said, you start your day off in the company for 10 minutes, the productivity levels, your happiness levels, your sense of being calm, your ability to listen. There's so many, so many byproducts of a meditation practice that if, if you really truly understood what it would do for you, and I think that is one of the hangups. They see it, they go, oh, that person's meditating. They might drive by or people think it's chanting or you have to sit in the contortionist pose or you know, it's something really challenging. What they don't understand is actually it's quite simple. And once you learn it, you can facilitate it very easily and make huge inroads and impacts to the business, to the community, to your family life, to your children, et cetera. Like it's, it's just an amazing tool to have, but I think it's, you don't know what you don't know. And unless you're willing to investigate why you should meditate, I don't think it becomes enough of a priority. And right now, as you would have seen, Andrew, so much of our attention is focused externally. So everything we do is externally focused. I'm going to work, I'm picking up the kids, I'm going to the dry cleaners, I'm gonna meet a friend after work. Everything is externally focused. That's what I feel needs to switch. We have to start having a relationship with ourselves again and start bringing our attention inward to understand what's going on. And it's amazing when I work with clients because if I ask them, well, what makes you happy? Or what makes you unhappy? Like, what do you like? What do you dislike? Or what are you passionate about? A lot of people can't answer the question because they've forgotten or they've never thought about how am I feeling in this moment? Do I even like what I'm doing? Don't, do, don't I like it? Like, so we're not having this relationship with our internal world. And that's mm. a critical part of, of understanding how much we'd benefit if we did. I knew we'd get deep. And <laughs> we <laughs> Sorry. are. No, no, it's great. We're so busy doing 
you know, doing yeah. jobs, doing school drop-off, doing promotion, doing study, doing renovation, external, external, external for you know, gratification from other people. It's often people we don't even like, right? You know, that mm. joke that you, you spend all your hours working to make money you don't need to impress people you don't really like, but we need to spend more time being. So just the, the yeah. couple of questions pulling out of what you've just said, what makes you happy? And you know, we share similar philosophies on this when I'm working with a, an elite athlete or an entrepreneur or someone, media entertainer or a CEO. It's not always about high performance. It's coming back, you know, what, what's your drive or your purpose? When are you at your best? Now, society yeah. is so geared, Tammy Roos, towards instant gratification. You know, Federal absolutely. Express, when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight. That's not yes. enough. Amazon now deliver on the day. So yeah. how do we counterbalance this when everything is so quick at our fingertips? And, and I think about this for my three kids. Now, OMG, trying to sound like I'm cool and you know, in with a younger clan. How do we balance <laughs> this instant gratification with breathe, slow down, connect? I, I get it, but sometimes it just does my head in to try and jump that chasm. Yeah, yeah. And I think the first thing is the ability to make the conscious choice so I can't, I can't stress enough that you have to actually choose. So what am I going to choose? Am I going to prioritize myself? Am I going to choose to give myself 10 minutes today of reprieve where I'm going to stop? I might walk outside. I'm going to look up, take a deep inhalation. Is there clouds going by in the sky? Is, the, you know, is there a breeze? Do I want to feel sun on my face? Tune in. Take 10 minutes. But can you do it without expecting anything of yourself? So these are all really, but it, it's amazing how you say, you know what, I actually, there's 1,440 minutes in a 24-hour clock, Andrew, and I always explain this to people. When people say to me they don't have time to meditate, I kind of laugh and go, wow, in 1,440 minutes of the day, you don't have 10 minutes, 10 minutes to look after your own well-being, your own personal health. I would then say, or is the, the, one of the best quotes ever, the Dalai Lama said, you know, you should meditate 10 minutes every day. And if they, they say not, he said, well, then you need to actually meditate 20 minutes a day. <laughs> because the reality is, if you honestly, honestly, and some people do feel they honestly can't do one more thing, that is highlighting a significant imbalance in their life, which is saying, my adrenals are probably overloaded. I'm stressed. I'm tired. I'm on the merry-go-round. Merry-go-round, sorry. I'm in the rat race. So how am I going to disengage from that? Well, unless you actually say, I'm going to do this. Like, you know, I'm, I, you know, my health it really, you know, means something to me. Or, you know, I guess even taking an extension of that is, I really want to make my family happy. Well, how can you do that if you are not happy in yourself? If the first thing you do when you get home is you feel like, I'm tired. I don't have patience. You know, I just want to sit down. I don't know how to turn off my brain. My wife or my husband's saying, all you do is talk about work. You're distracted. You're not looking. So what are you going to do about that? Were you, you in my house last night? Were you bugging my house last night, Tammy Ruse, when I got home and, and kids were ready. I was ready. You know, how, there's, yeah. a, there's a saying in yoga, how you show up on the mat is how you show up in life. And I'm conscious of this as a parent. When I'm busy and tired and stretched, and I've got a lot going on at the moment, as do you and yeah. as do our listeners, it's really important, isn't it, to, to check in, how am I showing up? What, what am I giving as a leader, as a parent, as a partner, as a family member, as an employee? But I'm sure there's some people listening to this 
as I would have before I started practicing much more relaxation. I was probably one of those builders who wasn't focusing on his own house. You know, hey, go do meditation. Yeah. I'm getting all my clients to do it. I can remember yeah. a CEO of one of the large banks who I've worked with, he's CEO now, and I got him to go and do a meditation course and he rang me up and said, Maisie, mate, this is life-changing. Thank you. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I raced him the next thing. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, get out. So yeah. I've started to embrace it and, and I absolutely back up all the benefits, a myriad of benefits. But for someone listening to this who is running a small business and has been impacted by COVID, uh, at time of recording this, we're in 2021 and borders are closing, borders are opening, there's conflicting messages and we're not here today to talk about the, the COVID, the, the government mm. legislation, we'll be here all day on that as well. But what we do want to do is help people with some strategies. Busy, small business owner, Tammy, who is going, yeah, 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 I get it all, but I can't fit it in. Talk me through the coaching. How would you start with a male or a female business owner who's overwhelmed, overstretched, overloaded, needs to meditate, but just can't see a way through yep. where they are right now? So, so it's a great question because I would say, and again, this is 100% just saying, I'm, I'm, this question I'm posing to the listener is, I'm going to challenge you. Like, how do you think you're shutting off. And most people would say, look, I'm, I, I don't, I'd never shut off. You know, I'm just, I, I'm just going. But if you watch, oftentimes they'll just be scrolling on their mobile phone or when they get home, it's, I need to have two or three glasses of wine. Again, I'm not saying this is right, wrong, good or bad. Maybe the TV goes on. So there's moments in time during the day where they are overwhelmed and overloaded that they are actually trying to shut off. They think they're not because they're doing something on their phone. But in reality, you keep scrolling and keep looking because you're like, it's like numbing. You're trying to numb and you're trying to just find a way to come down. So if you translated the 10 minutes that you were going to put on to in watching TV or the, you know, the, maybe the one glass of wine, extra glass of wine or whatever you're going to have to do something that's going to be about the mental health, Okay, because I think that's what most people don't understand. We're talking about your mental health. We're not talking about your physical here, as in because a lot of us understand and will accept we can go out and exercise or go for a walk or swim, ride a bike. We know we feel better. And that's so much more accepted. But when you say mental health, people go, oh, you know, like it almost has this negative connotation. Mm. But every one of us on this planet has <laughs> every one of us on the planet has mental health. You know, we all have it. And so we have to learn to really, and I talk about love the mind. Can you look after your mind because of the benefits you're going to get? So when you are so stressed, so again, to the people listening, there'll be things in your day that you're doing, which is actually unconscious because you're trying to shut off. So can you translate and they go, oh, actually, I can't remember what Tammy said there. I am on my phone scrolling a lot during the day or... Uh, you know, I do every night kind of sit there until I'm exhausted and I fall asleep on the couch, okay, because I'm so tired. So can you translate that, switch the TV off and do the 10 minutes of sitting and relaxing, breathing, the meditation, some mindfulness where you're just really aware and just say, can I just be? Again, I know you, we've spoken, we're so into this doing modality, but we really mm -hmm. need to start flipping that around bring the awareness back to ourselves and say, okay, am I tired right now? Like who, who here has gone on pushing, pushing, pushing? 
And then somehow something happens, you go, wow, that's like a bit of a slap, either trip or, you know, you, you run into a wall or you jam your elbow. Something happens because you're not paying attention. You're not focused, right? So that's almost like, I would say, for want of a, diff- a better way of describing, that's the universe saying to you, okay, snap out of it, wake up. You are racing. You are out of control. You need to stop and pause and slow down because it's like you just don't know where you're going. You've lost focus. So in order to bring that focus back, you just sit and you pause. You can make a significant difference in how you're feeling five minutes in the morning before you start, five minutes in the afternoon, reset. And I talked a lot about, a lot of people I've worked with, I always talked about reset, reset. Come back to your center. Five minutes, it's honestly not that much time, Andrew. Well, if you've got 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds, and 168 mm. hours in a week, so 1,440 minutes in a day, 86,400 seconds in a day, and 168 hours in a week, we're talking little micro bits of that. So it's something it's I've micro. started to include in yeah. my practice. And it's interesting, this almost feels like a coaching session. You're coaching me right now. I didn't do the transition time yesterday. I was late home, uh, you know, had an a, a internal meeting, went a bit later, promised my partner I'd be home with the kids mm. to, to cook the barbie, so I was already running late. Went via the supermarket, yeah. had the dog at work with me. What I normally do after a really busy day, I have five to ten minutes of transition. I'll sit in a park near where we live or sometimes just in the car park and I'll just breathe and it's resetting mm. in your language. And I'll often play back the day. What did I do? What worked well? You know, what do I need to action? And just walk in. And, and it's as I think to you out loud, Tammy, as I talk to you out loud, when I do that, I walk in and I'm present and I'm ready to connect with my family. Last night was the opposite of that. I was on the phone to the yeah. very end, texting as I was walking inside. And I walked in and bang, the house is chaotic. And then yeah. my energy fed that. Everyone's blowing up, dogs barking. Uh, yeah. So easy to just do five to 10 minutes. And look, I know it, it I is. teach it. We still break it, but I think that's part of resetting, right? You're not going to get this right every day. And, and that also, I think, scares a lot of people off because they think, oh, it's not perfect. If I can't do perfect practice, I just will throw it out. Yeah. And actually, that's such a relevant point. There's because there is things that stop people. And one again is that idea of perfection. So it's your expectations. And if you, you know, I have to, and I think one of the biggest misnomers about meditation that has created so much anguish or has been really hasn't helped the whole image of meditation is this idea you have to go to a state of bliss every time you meditate or you failed. Um, that is no such thing. And the idea that you cannot have a thought while you're meditating, again, incorrect. That's so erroneous. Um, it's about just slowing down the number of thoughts. So we know the average human being, so there's just, you know, it, it goes between some, some studies say 70, some say 80, but there's somewhere between 70 to 80,000 thoughts a day. The average human being has most are unconscious. So when you think about the number of thoughts that your mind is firing off, okay, you can see how we sometimes can get caught up in this monkey brain. It makes perfect sense because so many, um, I usually use the analogy because it's happened to, to me you know, on numerous occasions where I get to a destination, I think, I don't remember driving, mm-hmm. like far out, how did I get here? So what happened, that autopilot, where was my mind? What was I thinking about? Because all of a sudden I'm at the destination, and I've had that same experience with a run. <laughs> you go for a run, it's like, 
oh my gosh, I'm at the end of the run. <laughs> what happened? Like, where was I? Where did I go? So am, it's, I, am I in the run? Whose house is this? Where am I? <laughs> so, it, but it's, it, it really shows you how powerful, you know, really these different states are in terms of, of where we can go within, within ourselves. So I guess the point being, as you said, with doing the transition, that's so powerful, but it's you know, I, I don't know one person who wakes up and says, I want to go outside and have a really chaotic, stressful day. I don't know one person that's asking for that. Most of us are saying, please, can the day go well? We walk out the door. And I'm always saying, love, ease, and grace. I just want my day to really flow. Well, I know I can set myself up into a state of flow if I've meditated first thing in the morning. Now, if that's not your thing, okay, then you do the breath exercise, or as you called it, the transition. How can you transition? For a lot of us, um, what I'm hearing talking to people now that with the COVID era, so to speak, 2020 and onwards right now, they used to spend time in the car on their way to work to a certain extent to go, okay, get their head around what the day ahead is, or they were on the train. And there was these gaps, as you said. Now with so many people working from home, they're finding that very challenging because they're waking up, getting straight out of bed and almost feeling this, this sense of, I've got to get on the computer because I'm home. So then where went the exercise, where went that downtime of the travel where you were doing some things that actually did help nurture yourself? Um, and I know that what, what we're seeing now is, is um, some of the researchers start, are starting to study, excuse me, burnout versus depression. A distinction. Are you burnt out or are you depressed? There's a, there's a distinction there because people are burning out because they don't know how to pause. You know, we're bombarded constantly by the radio, the internet, our, you know, messaging, the mobile phone, this expectation that we have to somehow be on 24-7. And we need to truly, I, I feel as humanity, we need to reset and get back to there needs to be some days of time, you know, some time in our day of time out. I know as a child growing up in the States, Sunday was like this day of rest, literally was like Sunday. Everything you know, as a kid, down. everything was shut and it was our day. We watched, you know, American football. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd do something as a family, if it was exercise or run, whatever. But my mom used to sit there and look at the sales in the paper. But the whole family, it was just quiet. You didn't go anywhere. There was nothing you had to do. And there is a wealth of wisdom in that. Whereas now we're a society that just thinks that we are somehow robotic and we expect ourselves to function at an optimal level without looking after our mind. And that was never going to work. Ever, mm. ever, ever. I um, I just have a thought bubble, and it's got nothing to do with your, <laughs> nothing to do with what you're talking about, but everything to do with the theme. On the weekend just gone by, I went away with my best mate and his son, yeah. and my son, so Sebastian Archer and my mate Mario. We all went to the Central Coast to Anna Bay, and on Sunday we went for a, a walk, run along the beach. And Mario, my mate, said, "Oh, Andy, why don't you take Archie? Archie's nine, and Sebastian yeah. is twelve, so Sebastian sort of." getting that adult sense of humour. Archie's still yeah. innocent and just really evolving yeah. at that cute age. And Mario goes, Andy, why don't you take Archie on a camel ride? And, you know, camel ride takes 30 to 40 minutes. I'm thinking up in my hyped up, come on, let's go do adrenaline stuff. Let's go for a surf. You know, we did sand yeah, surfing yeah. the day before. Yeah. You know, I can't think of anything worse. And I went, oh, no, no, mate, Sunday. The camels yeah. are resting. Mario goes, so in, you know, back you, when you were a kid, yeah. the camels were resting on a yeah. Sunday. He said, no, no, Andy, I think they're open. Let's walk down there. And Archie turns around to me with these big blue eyes, goes, really? Can we do that, Dad? And I go, oh, of course we can, mate. And I'm thinking, oh, God. 
I have to sit on a bloody camel, a stinky camel for 40 minutes. Yeah. Guess what? When we did the best day, not best day of the well, best part of the weekend on Sunday night, Archie was sitting around at our dinner table and told our family the best bit of my weekend was the camel ride. Oh. He said, Dad, they go so fast, don't they? I'm like, my inner voice, not fast enough. <laughs> but but isn't it fascinating that I'm sitting there thinking, come on, get it over with. But the best bit my son had on that weekend was a bloody slow, laborious camel ride. We were present, connected, yeah. talking. Yeah, yeah. So see, and see, isn't that the difference? So it's how you start functioning and it's unintentional. Like no one does it on purpose. So it's, you know, all of a sudden, like, and you're still in that mode of the, 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 you know, the pedal to the metal, so to speak, and you're in that go set. Whereas you said, how do we bring it back to being in this present moment? And children have this amazing ability. They still have the imagination and the awe and the wonder. Mm. And that's part of it that I think right now that I'm seeing in a lot of adults that awe, awe and wonder is really kind of evaporated. Where's the magic gone? And we need to kind of get that back because... Life's meant to be enjoyed. It's not meant to be so hard and such a struggle. And and I guess that's for myself personally, that's why I'm so passionate about um, teaching, you know, these different teachings, so to speak, because it makes a difference and you will fundamentally change if you were are willing to say that you're worth it and you mm. dedicate the time. So that's why I came back to that. Number one thing you have to do is make a choice. Am I worth it? Because the more you work on yourself, every other person in your environment, be it family, community, the office space is impacted by that as well for a positive. Because the more, and I say this to students, but it's like every time you sit, and if you understand, if, if every time you sit and rest, you're recharging, you're coming back to a sense of focus, clarity, balance, not even going into what the different brain waves are doing, you know, with creativity, et cetera, but you literally are improving your immune system just by sitting and being still, then you know that when you show up at the office, you're, you're not feeling constricted. You're not feeling rushed. You're not already on edge. You just feel like you've got this openness and space and people feel that energy is real, right? And, you know, oftentimes this, you know, energy, they say precedes you walking into a room. So I'm sure many people listening have had that sense of someone comes in and you think, oh God, they're in a terrible mood, stay away mm -hmm. from them. Or, oh wow, that person looks so happy and you're drawn to it. So- Well, now now we're, we're craving calm and, and we're yeah. craving calm from business owners. We're craving calm for leaders. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can feel it when someone rocks in. Last night I rocked in, I wasn't calm. So two questions for you on this. Let's go there in brainwaves and talk about yeah. brain state and the shift we see because let's get mm. a bit deeper on the brain science. And the second one is time. I'm interested to know how long you meditate most days and what's the minimum someone should or can do. So let's start with brainwaves. Talk to me about yep. beta, delta, theta and gamma and how we change that. Yeah, well, look, so right now you and I, this engaging conversation, we're in the beta you know, brainwave. So we're, it's the actioning, the doing, the talking. No, I, I, when I talk to you, I, I, I shift, I relax. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm that on beta good. before you. I get my dose of Tammy and, <laughs> okay, so we're, we're in oh, beta, we're engaging. Most yeah. people are in beta all day. Yeah, exactly. So when you meditate, the ideal state that you drop into is the theta state. 
It's a state where you truly feel that creative energy coming up. You have this sense of expansion. You seem to know answers to things that prop up, but you really go into a healing state when you're in that theta state. That is the ideal state. If you're switching between alpha and theta, that's fine as well. When you go into that really deep delta state, that's deep, deep sleep. That's not what we're talking about with meditation. Not that deep sense of, you know, so we're talking about that alpha and theta. So you're affecting brain waves which actually then enhances so many areas of your life. So a six-week consistent meditation practice improves your immune system by 37%. That's the latest research coming out of Harvard. So if you consider that, my immune system is boosted. We also know that melatonin levels go through the roof, which we know is a direct link to our sleeping patterns. And melatonin goes up a phenomenal, phenomenal percentage from a six-week practice. And you look at that and you think, well, so my sleep's improving. All these things are happening from this actually affecting my brain waves. So what happens is when we go into that state, we kick out of the parasympathetic nervous system. So fight or flight into the sympathetic nervous system, right? So instead of having, as I was describing the foot to the metal, you're taking it off. So you get into a state of rest and reset. It's recharging. So it's like rest and digest your whole body physiologically slows down so your adrenals aren't overloaded and you can actually go into this recovery state which is incredibly beneficial for you as i said your melatonin levels are increased so sleeping improves your immune system is boosted i mean those are some of the really key we know that blood pressure drops we know that cortisol levels go up so there's all these really key factors that start happening the more you meditate and long-term meditators those that have been meditating for five years and longer Physiologically, when they are tested, um, so not chronologically, they show up being 12 years younger than their biological age. So people who've been meditating for five years, how, how long yes. on average per day? 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. So only putting in 20 minutes a day over five years, you'll hmm. wind back your biological clock by 12 years. Yes, by 12 wow. years. That's that's from the from the testing. So and and all because I can only speak for myself because again I'm one of those people who <laughs> I guess I really do like to if I'm going to be teaching this and and I did my PhD and I wrote my dissertation on meditation so I do know the science behind this but I actually went and got myself tested I've been meditating for more than ten years at the time and the the woman that I was seeing said oh my gosh you're a long-term meditator, I'd love to test you. And I went, yes, put my hand up, test me. I want to see what the science says. Does it back it up? And it did. So I got back my, my testing at that time and I couldn't believe it. I laughed because it was, I was 10 years younger than my chronological age. My testing came back at, at the time. So a lot of people think meditation is just for the brain. That's a mistake. It's for the whole body. Because I'm it's just trying body. to link the science on this or the, the, the patterning. When you're present and connected and reset and make time, you know what's important. You would prioritize exercise or moving. You would prioritize love and connection, play, laughter, joy. You would prioritize spiritual development or you know, broader connectivity. You'd prioritize learning. So you'd prioritize all these other things that are helping you move, gain momentum, mm. move forward. You'd eat better. You'd drink less. It, it sort of makes sense, doesn't it, when you stack it like that? Absolutely. And so my dissertation was actually on the beneficial effects of a cumulative practice on the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies, because it does affect the entire ecosystem of a human. Every area of your life is improved from the practice. So it's, it's you know, truly, it's kind of like 
the, you know, if you want to call it, it, it is the magic pill. If you want to make an impact on every single area of your life, you meditate. This is what you practice. What do you have to give up? Uh, I don't know, that 10 minutes, 20 minutes of your 1,440 minutes of the day to actually prioritize yourself. But when you see the significant, the changes, and you start to realize, I mean, so many things begin to shift and you feel in such better health and you are calmer and you have more peace and you're present and people really start to notice it. Like they really start to notice it. <laughs> when you talk about that trade-off, so Cal Newport is one of my favorite authors in this whole space of focus. His latest book, Digital Minimalism, he talks about mm. the infinity pools that Tristan Harris, former Facebook employee, said, I hate Facebook. We went through the whole behavioral yeah. science to get people addicted on social media. And an infinity pool is when you pull down and you go one after the other. So think Instagram, think Facebook, think news feeds, and you go in for five minutes and 30 minutes later, you've watched cat videos, you know, every surfing video, everything else, but it, it's rubbish. So to, to only spend 20 minutes, so is that how long you spend? So the part two of that the, the, the round yeah. out. Do you spend yeah. 20 minutes a day? Is that the average amount of time you'd spend? Um, look, I have to confess. <laughs> I'm being really honest here. I spend more than 20 minutes a day because for I me- I thought you were going to say it's only two. You got some no. super no. meditation. No, no, no. It's a non-negotiable. But it, for me, this is like brushing my teeth. So I meditate every morning and there'll be times as well. And one of the most powerful times that I can meditate is if I've woken up in the middle of the night and I start to think about, I wish I could go back to sleep, or I start thinking about things to do the next day, I actually sit up in bed and meditate. Because I know if I do that, I go back into a really restful state of sleep, and then I get my quality sleep, which we know is so important. Mm -hmm. So I would say on an average, and I'm not saying this for everyone, this is something that for me, it's, it's, you know, it's my passion, it's what I love, but I also know the benefits I reap. So I would say I meditate, you know, 20 would be my minimum. Okay. So you're, you're living practice. How do you do it? Seated, uh, eyes closed, breathing, variation. And then I just want to come back to moving meditation. I've got a question on that next. So how, how, how does yeah. your practice look? Where are you? So at the moment, I'm really, you know, I'm quite fortunate because I'm in Hawaii. Um, so I sit out on the balcony. So it's, you know, it's the beautiful temperature. I've got the birds and I sit there and I sit cross-legged and meditate. But obviously, you're not always in a position where you can do something like that. So for years, I used to just sit up in bed, whether it was in Sydney, Melbourne, wherever, Paul, my husband, he meditates as well. We just sit up in bed. That's how we start our day. So if it's 6, 6.30, whatever time it is, I always allowed the time. For myself personally, I would give up 15 minutes of sleep to make sure my meditation, I got my meditation rather than sleep the 15, because I know that I feel so much more rested and in flow which affects my entire day than getting that 15 minutes of sleep. Does that make sense if I've mm. articulated that clearly? So I sit up in bed. The reason why that's so powerful, like I said, is you set up the day before it's begun. You haven't had any caffeine. You haven't had any sugar in your system. Your stomach is, you know, relatively empty. So you're not digesting food, which impacts the quality of your meditation. Hopefully, the first thing you have not done is reach for your mobile phone because then your brain already gets into the, like you said, and it gets sidetracked and it's gone, like you've already lost the opportunity. 
So I never touch my phone first thing. I like literally, it's, it's like it's not there. I meditate first before I look at my mobile phone. And because as I said to you, going back to the first thing when you said, what is it? Relax the body, quiet the mind, a form of relaxation. If I've just woken up and I haven't been busy going, I'm not already doing, then my body's already amazingly relaxed. And so I can actually just sit there still in that state of deep calm because I've just woken up. My body, that's, and that's like already, I was like, I've ticked off so many boxes to set up for the perfect, you know, this idea of a, the ideal scenario. Not a perfect mm. meditation because there's no such thing. Like, and I want to I say that it's, it's about, I've given myself like a farmer who's planting a crop. He has to tend to the soil, get everything ready. Well, this took no effort on myself because literally all I had to do was sit up in bed and meditate. Do you set an intention for the day? Do you think about the day ahead or is it just, not, is it, is it goal-oriented? Is it performance-oriented or is it just coming back to the present or does it change? Um, it changes, but for the most part, I really try to stay with just being present. But at the end of my meditations, I always go through a gratitude practice and then I set my intention for the day. That's kind of like my routine. So I meditate, make sure I'm very present, feel very calm and relaxed. At the end of my meditation, when I'm coming out of it, I practice gratitude, what I'm really grateful for in this moment, because I know what that, that draws more positive energy and a positive, you know, experiences to me. And then I set my intention, how I'd like to see my day unfold. And I'll go through the to-do list or the appointments or, you know, this morning, kind of hopefully, you know, like, let us have a good uh, podcast with Andrew. I see it already. And then I say, and with love, ease and grace. And then it's like, it's done. And then I just kind of like, I, I've, I've set myself up for the day. I like that love, ease and grace. I don't think anyone likes to think about creating more stress. No, not at all. We've got enough of that as it is. Hi, we hope you have been enjoying this podcast so far. Don't forget that we have plenty more podcasts and content just like this on NAB Business Fit. Go to www.nab.com.au forward slash business fit for more content to support your physical and psychological well-being and to help you take care of business. Look, marketing department needs to go to the word meditation and give it a rebrand, right? Because when you look at practicing yeah. and and you're doing 20, 30, 40 minutes a day, if someone, I've seen research, if you start doing a few minutes, as someone who's really busy, just start with five, just five, breathe. that's all. Yeah, that's do, exactly right. But like what I said, the transition time for a lot of small business owners is really important. Sit Absolutely. in your car, on the tram, bus, wherever breathe for five minutes. And interesting, just closing one other loop, I know Microsoft or I've read Microsoft are now building in the option in the next software upgrade to put in an imaginary commute time for those that are WFH, WFA, work from home, work from anywhere. Because one of the oh, things wow. that they found yeah. in research, people said, when I travel to work in whatever modality, it's actually part of a physical relocation and a psychological warm-up. I don't have that yeah. when I go from bedroom to kitchen to office at the kitchen bench. So no. I think, you know, we've been disrupted massively. What I love about the learnings from meditation and what you're doing, just relax the body, quiet the mind. So if you think it's difficult, it's got to be perfect. No, 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 no. No. Nah. Just calm down yeah. and put yeah. in that practice, even if it's just a few minutes a day. What you're saying is so true. And that's why I tell people it's simple and easy. It's just about saying, I'm going to do it and give yourself five minutes. Hmm. You can seriously start to have, you know, a big impact in your day. And I have some three-minute meditations that, um, you know, I know a lot of my uh, clients have worked with and they said they order a coffee, they're waiting for their coffee, 
they literally sit down in the cafe and put the three minutes on with their headphones and they go, it's amazing. So it's about using, I guess, your options wisely. What works for you? So that's not a right or wrong at all. Like you, what works for you? We're all unique individuals. So if it's in the car, as you said, before you get home, I'm going to listen to, you know, I'm going to do a three minute meditation or I'm going to do a five minute, three minutes goes like that. But you honestly start feeling the difference. And I, I find as well, personally, I think three to five minute meditations, they don't scare people. Some people get very uh, confronted by the idea that I have to sit and do nothing for 20 minutes because their mind or their body, they're so programmed to habitually thinking that they're almost say, I feel guilty. I should be doing something else. How dare I look after myself? Like they can't even comprehend it because there's this guilt running through the equation. But three to five minutes is a great start. And I encourage anyone on this, um, listening to this, if you can find that three to five minutes a day, it will truly start making a significant difference to your outlook and how you feel your state of being. You will feel in better health and you'll start to really cultivate more happiness within your own life. Well, I've tried your three to five minute meditations because they're on our NAB Business Fit platform. Yes. So for anyone listening, go to nab.com.au slash business fit. Sounds like a plug it is because your three to five minute meditations are great. I've used them. I use them regularly. I've even done them with my kids. Um, we've started... Most nights when the kids go to bed, we do a breathing exercise, a relaxation exercise. And I did your five-minute meditation last week and the kids loved it. Archie was actually lights out. I'm super yeah. relaxed, also tired. We do calm. Sometimes I do breathing. So we're building in a nice little daily ritual to get the kids Absolutely. to do an activity. And you know what? Yeah. I'm loving it as much as they are. Question I had on moving meditation. When I'm writing a book or deep in flow, I tend to go down to the South Coast and stay at a mate's holiday mm. house. And when my head is overloaded in beta, part uh, telling you what I do and I'm wanting to know what I'm actually doing, and I'll go for a walk and to break the circuit and I come back. So it's not actually sitting down, meditating in the, the, the definition most of us have, but I find when I walk and move, and I, I find a few of my clients resonate with this, the subconscious tends to bubble then I come back and I find I really get into flow again and have some of my most creative ideas. Tell me, what's mm. going on when I do that? Well, you're, you're basically um, creating a disruption. You know? So you've created a disruption to what you were doing at the time. And that allows just more flow to enter. But you also start to relax because, again, it's like, oh, I'm outside. I'm moving. It feels good. You know, you're, you're connecting to the earth again, too. So it's just like that movement, re, that reconnection, that grounding, the fresh air, it, it literally stimulates in a different, it stimulates you in a different manner so that you are, you're more open to possibilities. But what I find as well is just by creating that short circuit or that deviation, sometimes, as you're saying, that's all you need to release the stress and to start, you know, tapping into more creativity simply because you've changed your routine and it makes a difference. But I, you know, I always encourage people to get outside during the day, take some, you know, micro dose pauses, so to speak during the day, because they'll have a big difference to how you feel. Go for a walk around the block, uh, do, you know, do what you can sit on a bench, but a hundred percent, make sure you get up and you move. I mean, we've got those new desks, you know, those people that talk about the desks that you stand up and those desks that are, that are moving. And they're, they're for a reason because they know that people are performing better with movement and they feel in better health instead of just sitting all day. 
So if we stack that for the really busy person listening to this, who at the start is going, hey, Tammy, Andrew, no, you don't understand how busy I am. Five minutes of breathing in the morning before you look at your mobile. Yep. If you do five minutes of transition before you walk through the front door of your house or apartment at night, and during the day, just go for a circuit breaker, get outside, go for a walk. I'm torn when I'm in writing mode, Tammy whether I take my mobile or not. Sometimes I take my mobile because I have this proliferation of ideas and I write them down. But then my monkey mind says, check Instagram. How many people have liked that Facebook post? So sometimes I take the mobile, sometimes I don't. But the point being, if you're in small business, you're really busy, or in big business, you're really busy, just put a few of these little things in every day. And before you realize it, it's become a habit, a routine and a ritual. You do it without even realizing. It makes Mm. a significant difference. No, it does. And but test yourself. Start off with one day of the week that you say, I'm not taking my mobile phone. Just give yourself a little challenge and just ask yourself, can I do this? Because it's going to really highlight your attachment to your device. And as funny as this sound, it, it, it unconsciously, it's also about how much importance you're kind of placing on yourself that the world's going to end if you're not there to look at your mobile phone or answer the email. And I, I know like if I, you know, oftentimes I'm like, okay, then go for a run. Oh, I'd like to know how far I've run. So I want to have it on there because I know the data is tracking it. Again, that's my ego getting caught up in it. Like I want to know how fast, how many calories or what heart rate, blah, 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 whatever you've got going on. And then I go, you know what? No, leave it here and just turn off. So I get challenged by that as well. So it's a bit like you have to, you know, I almost just go, I'll get back and, and literally the world won't end if I don't have my phone. So I, you know, but you have to almost have that dialogue with yourself initially to say, okay, I really need some time out. This last month, I did a post in December prior to Christmas and said, I'm going offline. And I stayed offline for more than a month because I recognized that everything that I was doing in 2020 was this idea and, and, you know, that I had to keep posting and keep writing and keep, and, and, you know, from that, that space of trying to offer some support, but again, when you're running a business and I'm, you know, and it's about branding and you're trying to make sure people that know that there's services there, et cetera. And then I thought, you know, stop, I need to recharge. So it was a, it was a big lesson for me that I got to that point where I said, I'm going to take a month off and I cannot tell you the relief I felt. So that worked for me. I just went, oh, this is just heaven. I just am not, I, I, you know, I'll let everyone know and so I'll be back. But right now I'm just taking time out. And the, the amazing thing was Others said that they thought, okay, I ought to try that for a day or two days. And they couldn't believe the difference. They felt like they'd been on a holiday, even though obviously they hadn't left Australia or the city they were in. But it does feel like a holiday because we're not meant to be on 24 hours a day. I'm nodding profusely, as you can see on the video that we're recording. Yes. (laughs) I did that experiment with my 12-year-old daughter over Christmas and uh, with Instagram and messaging and it's WhatsApp yeah. group I find with young kids as well. Yes. Like there's hundreds yes. of messages. It's emoji. Hey, smiley cat, love heart. It's rubbish. Yeah. But they, yeah. they don't think it's rubbish. So expectations is is really important. Huge. So you told people I'm going to be off social media. So yeah. I said to Michaela, you let all your friends know that you're going to be off social media. We're up in Queensland for three weeks. We we're blessed we got through there before the border closures. And she said, oh, Dad, this is terrible, my friends. And, and anyway, <laughs> at the two days into it, Mickey had forgotten about a mobile phone. And I said, you can check in every few days so you can go and make sure yeah. that everything's okay with your friends. And then I got my daughter back. And then, you know, she actually said to me at the end when she got back on a phone, she said, Dad, 
I've hardly missed it. And she said, in fact, I haven't. And Darcy, one of her friends, said, Mickey, I'm going to do the same experiment next year. So I thought that was wonderful. Yeah. And I do think that kids, when you give them that option and they really kind of think about it, it is amazing because I know that our eldest son, um, Dylan, he did the same thing. He just said, I'm going offline. And he said, he goes, I can't believe how much I needed that because at the moment, you know, you're into the, it, it is almost like this creation and this constant communication you know, with this broader field. So um, it gets exhausting after a while. Feeling, feeling again, that you have to be on and you're not allowed to not do something or say something or comment, et cetera, et cetera. So it's nice to give yourself the reprieve. And I, and I do feel if our younger generations can start learning that about some of the appropriate boundaries that they can put in place for how they're feeling and their health, it will go enormously, you know, into to how they're yeah, functioning and feeling on a day-to-day basis. I'll check back in with you in a few years to see if it's working when she's 15, 16. But I said, darling, while ever you're coming on holidays <laughs> with dad and dad's paying, let's run an experiment. And look, I, I've got to do it with her. So that's part of the yeah. deal. Right? I've got to lead. And she caught me on day two as well, checking my mobile phone. She went, busted. I went, ah, oh, you got me. So we had a bit of well, fun with it. We, um, Paul and I had a, we had one. It was quite funny. The kids at the time, they were in high school. They, I mean, they thought they were going to die. But, uh, you know, because we, we went on holidays and there was literally no internet, no service. We were nothing. And um, I think it was about seven days with absolutely no way for people to contact us unless it was an absolute emergency. We were in Africa. And uh, I can't tell you how, how funny it was. Like, and the second day, as you said, you get the kids back and they're playing games and the conversations and you're playing cards. And, and they're present. They're with and they're you. present. They're just with you. And you go, this is the best. And we've all said that our best holidays have been when we've had that experience of just being so present and aware of your environment and of each other. No internet, no distractions. It's their quality time. I've got a business idea for you and I, and I've already got yes. the domain. The domain name is cme.com, camelmeditationexperience.com. <laughs> we're going to set it up where there's purposely no Wi-Fi. We're going to yeah. take people on camel rides and we're just going to get them to relax and, and the yeah. world is not going to end. I was joking about setting that business up, but yeah, it might be a good idea. No, and there you go. Speaking of the world not ending, you mentioned that before and yeah. I sort of go back in my mind, we thought the world was going to end or at least technology was in Y2K. Mm. Yeah, Prince sang about it, parting like it's 1999 yeah. and it's 2000. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and we were really, like, it's funny going back, right? We thought everyone was worried that everything was going to stop. The computers yeah. were going to stop. The stock markets globally were going to crash. None of it happened. Back in 1999, you did something. You went to a meditation course. Talk to yes. me about, first of all, why did you decide to go to that course? And secondly, what did you get out of it in that very weekend? Oh, such good questions. Um, I actually went because a girlfriend suggested it to me. I was probably one of those lucky ones at the time. I really didn't know a lot about meditation at all, like at all. So I had no preconceived ideas. I had no expectation. I think that really helped. Um, so Paul and I went off together with another girlfriend we'd signed up. It was a Deepak Chopra, Primordial Sound Meditation. He wasn't facilitating. One of his facilitators was. Um, so it was a Friday evening, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And what in it really succinctly what I experienced in two and a half, you know, days where it felt like it flew by with the teachings and the practices. Um, for me, it was like coming home. This was the one missing piece 
in my life. I'd always exercised. I was, you know, played sports my whole life. Paul and I, him being, you know, uh, at the time had just retired professionally, but still obviously, um, you know, for years and years. Back back in the late 90s for a professional footballer of any code in Australia to go and do a two and a half day meditation retreat. It was a big step. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think there was also that whole idea about, is there something wrong with you? I remember a few people saying, oh, something must be wrong with you if you're going to learn to meditate. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting take on it. I said, no, nothing, nothing's wrong with us. We're just actually like, so it was really interesting. Some of the projections that people put on you when we, when we embraced it, because it was 1999 and a lot of people were speaking about it, but it was just that weekend showed me Everything else from diet, exercise, sleep, I love my family, there was no dramas. But this was just like this, this, this um, sense of this is the one thing that has been missing in terms of trying to get my overall health. And I, and I literally remember saying to Paul, I think I've found my thing that I'm just not going to go away from. That was it. That was that weekend. You actually that said was that, that, weekend. that weekend. I literally, literally knew this is something that's sticking. So, the way it worked with primordial sound, a bit uh, more similar to TM or Vedic meditation, was 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon, and they tried, you know, they asked you to try to consistently do that every single day. So again, that was just our choice. Um, that's what I did, and it was amazing because, and I know Paul won't mind me saying this, but I absolutely knew that this was my thing, so I didn't miss a day, and I had gone for many months, and then I noticed that Paul kind of was drifting away from it. And then one day, you know, so he had stopped meditating or, or the consistency and about a year into it where I was still meditating twice a day. I just remember Paul walking into the kitchen where we were in Sydney and looked at me and he said, I've got to get back to where you've gone because he could see how much of a difference it, it made in my day-to-day life. And I know that you referenced, you and I were chatting before, um, my teacher or the teacher at the time on that weekend said, you might not notice what's going to happen to you. And that's okay. You have to trust the practice. But what will happen is it will be, you'll understand the impact when others begin to notice the changes in you. So the exact scenario that she described, which I'd completely forgotten about, um, happened about three months post meditating. And I'd gone outside and a neighbor of mine looked at me and she said, you know, you're so different what are you doing? And I said, nothing. Ha- I was haircut, different yeah. earrings. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going like, okay, I'm really, I was racking my brain. I go, no, nothing. She goes, no, I'm really serious. You're so different. And I'm going, not like I'm exercising, got the two kids. I'm, you know, I'm doing this, doing that, whatever. I was, you know, I was like trying to go through what in, what has changed? And she goes, you're so calm. And then the light bulb moment went and I went, oh my gosh, it's the meditation. So coming right back, you know, earlier to those words, it's when someone else begins to notice the changes in you. And you know, for a moment you have that horrifying thought, oh my gosh, was I like the shrill mother well, yelling that, that, at the kids was, or was, was I my cranky? Immediate, <laughs> that was my immediate response. Were you the cranky bitch, you know, who was roaring at everyone at the school fight and they were scared of you? Or no. was it a subtle... I know the I, answer. I, you know, I wasn't, but but the the difference was it's it's again that that whole sense. My energy had shifted. I just wasn't. I just felt so much more at peace, and I was so much calmer. And and I remember finding, and I know this is one thing that, and I say this because I know for a fact, 
I used to be one of those people thinking there's never enough time in the day to get, to get everything done that I want to get done. That was one of my big things, never enough time in the day. And I felt like all I was doing was on this proverbial, the to-do list, nothing ever got finished, da, da, da. It was just never ending. And then I recognized one morning because I got to, a, uh, the boys were playing AFL football. We were at Trumper Park in Sydney. And when they're little, you know, your game times are like 8 a.m. And I remember getting to the game <laughs> and you're there early, 7.15, 7.30, trying to help set up, get some things going. But I'd already been for a run, had meditated. And I don't say that to sound like, but this was how much my life had changed. Like I had, and I was so, you know, we had our coffee sitting there and I was just relaxed, like we're to watch the boys play, isn't this day great? And a few friends just looked at me and this was probably one of the big shifts into why I got into teaching. They said, whatever you are doing, you've got to teach us because again, the change, I just was so relaxed and I'd already had such a full morning when I say what I was able to do, but I never felt rushed and I had this sense of peace and calm. Mm, it's, a, it's, it. it's, it's, it's a, it's a subtlety. Like I said, it's the brain waves. And when you're working at that subtle realm, which Science doesn't have an answer for right now. There's no pill. There's no pill that you can go to a chemist and buy that's going to give you the benefits that meditation gives you mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. There's no pill on the market. I imagine your tethers go up when someone asks a question like, Tammy, give me a meditation hack. And I, I just, I actually, I, I, I get some of the marketing around hacks, but from a physical, psychological, behavioral level, like I, I get my, my, you know, defense up when I hear, you know, people don't look after themselves, you know, they might drink a lot of alcohol, mm. eat the wrong foods, totally stressed out. Hey, do the three minute meditation hack. Do, do you get as sort of uptight and wound up about the word hack as I do? Or do I need to go and see someone about that? Do I, do no, I need no, no. to meditate more? <laughs> no, I think, to be honest, I think it's just everyone has their own unique perspectives happening. And if they're if they haven't ever really thought about anything being different, I can see that they're looking for this quick fix. But the difference I would say where I agree with you, Andrew, is nothing in life has ever been free. Like we all know we have to work. Life is going to have its ups and it's going to have its downs. It's cyclical. Change is constant. So to think that you're going to find this quick fix and it's going to take no effort on your part, I mean, in a way, it's highlighting two things. One, you definitely feel, I guess, that you're overloaded. You've got no space in your day for anything else. And when you get to that state of overwhelm, you can't consider that you could find another thing. That's one thing to recognize. But this, you know, when you're looking for that quick fix, because you just want something instantaneously to make it all go away or make it better. The second thing is, you know, and I say this, I try to say this nicely, but we've gotten lazy. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it, but I think we have really gotten lazy with we the have, advent we... of technology. We, we want everything right now. We've forgotten, we've forgotten, you know, you know, that sometimes it, it's about the journey, you know, it's the journey, not so much the destination. It's the journey along the way that makes it so rewarding because no, it's not, it's not. Give me the <laughs> pill, the potion, the bottle, the lotion. Come on. Like I'm used to yeah. everything drop and drag. Yeah. Look, yeah. I actually, I wrote that down. Nothing in life is ever free. And you know, your neighbors noticed this change. The other parents at AFL asked you to start teaching them. That's a, an amazing testimony to it's working for you that you should then start teaching others. And I get this a lot. Like I often get a young athlete come to me and say, hey, I want to be the best in the world. I want to make the Australian team, but I want to have a really good work-life balance. No, to be the best at, at any level, you've got to have a couple of decades of being totally unbalanced 
but you put in stuff like meditation and relaxation and breathing so you don't mm. burn out. So I love that notion. You've got to do the hard work to make it easy. So something that I reckon was hard work when you first started working with AFL footballers. So can you go back, what year was it when Paul got you in to the Sydney Swans? And I'm not even going to ask why because you've explained you know, your experience. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. wanted. Yeah. It's a bit like when Harry met Sally. I imagine him in the kitchen saying, I want what she's <laughs> having. Yeah, I've got to go back to my practice. <laughs> i got to go back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, Paul got me working with the players 2003. So um, that's when I started working with the Sydney Swans players. And literally at that time, I mean, this was like – for the most part, I think unheard of in AFL circles. It was just so, I remember the Sydney Morning Herald in the, you know, Herald's and like they're picking up stories like Bruzy meditates. He's got the players like, what is this? They had this image. I remember of him like with this, they put a monk's robes on him and, you know, they did some mock-up drawing because it was considered so out there. Like, what are you doing? And they knew that he was, you know, really interested in player empowerment because he really felt that that was the shift where the game needed to go was about empowering the players. And so we were fortunate, and I'd say that because Paul, not only did he play with them and now coaching them, there, there was some personal friendships there and they could see, I guess, the difference in Paul and I again, but also they trusted us. So it was, it was easy for me to step into that space and start teaching the players because all professional athletes, the one thing I know with them is that they want to be the best. They're highly, highly competitive. And so the really, really smart, smart ones, they actually get that it's going to be, we got to do the extra step. Like you said before, there's going to be that sacrifice that's required to be the best at our game. And a lot of people don't recognize that, but it's to the diet or not going out and, you know, um, you're home and you're, you're trying to get enough sleep and you're doing all this. Everything's about performance on the field. So for us, it was about you've got everything going, but now it's going to be, how are we going to get the greatest difference? It's going to be above the shoulders. Mm -hmm. So what can we do that we know is going to translate not only to the field, but would translate to their recovery because we know sleep improves and they're able to relax. Again, like I told you, get out of fight or flight, improve their relationships as well and how they navigate and find that balance. Because a lot of people look at our at sports um, stars or athletes and they kind of think, well, you know, they don't have a, a private life happening. They forget that there's a private life to that person they see on the field. And, you know, some of these young boys are 19 and they're on a list and they're trying to perform and they are navigating everything. And it's overwhelming. Others might be studying still. Some are parents, you know, they're married and have kids and they're a professional athlete. So for us, it was about what can we do to help them navigate professional and personal lives? And this was going to be this missing link that helped them with that shift. It makes total sense. Leading sports psychologist Michael Gervais says you can train three things. One, your craft, that's your job. So an mm. AFL footballer trains for football. Second yeah. is the body. So a mutual friend of ours, David Misson, was instrumental yes. working with Paul yes. at the Sydney Swans and then at Melbourne um, for the physical conditioning. But the third Absolutely. thing is your mind. And I think yep. in sport that's largely been left. Like now there's mental skills coaches like me mm. working in elite sports, sports psychologist. But it's a, it's a fairly newish thing. But going back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, unheard of. But it makes total sense, Tammy, that you spend all yeah. this time training for football, 
doing all the weights and the conditioning and, and Miso and Maddie Cameron were instrumental at really that sports science recovery, mm. the getting players on the paddock. But you're an athlete for 24 hours, not just at Swans at the SCG Training Academy for four or five hours a day. So it's the mindset and all the other stuff around. Absolutely. So it makes total sense. Did any of the players push back? Did you have any going, oh, this is rubbish? There was a couple senior players that didn't want to participate and Paul and I at the Swans made it optional. So that was fine. And the ones that did choose, you know, they loved it, they embraced it. Then some other players asked to join in. Um, we started off with different groups too, because I think one thing is, you know, I always have recognized everyone's so unique, but we, we broke it up into like the, you know, the first year boys. So that, cause that's a different, different level compared to the senior players that might've been on the list for 10 plus years and have the families. So there we're at different, different levels there that we were working with. So we had different groups, but it was optional. By the time Paul coached Melbourne Demons and I started working with the Melbourne players, I was doing meditation and visualization with them and visualization before the games. So on game day, um, I would go in and work with the players after the coaches meeting, um, you know, and then we'd, we'd set up the game and then I would obviously depart and yeah, they got ready to play. Did you do that every game? You'd go and, yes. and work with the players? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, Paul's now at uh, North Melbourne in a consulting yes. role. Yes. Um, if Paul asked you to come in, or let's say a rugby league team or a cricket or a netball team asked you to come in and set up a mental skills program, mm. ready for this question, would you make it compulsory? Uh, yes. Hmm. And the reason I say I, look, that... I totally, I totally agree. No, and, and the reason I say that is because you're a team. And you, if you're a team, we all know now with this, the, you know, and the quantum science is showing this, there's unity consciousness. What one does affects everyone. So to be part of that, you know, it's like you're all working towards a solution. So I think by having some, like, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to buy into it, it sends a really bad s signal to the rest of the team. And so from that standpoint, if you're trying to be the best, there's too much science that backs up the benefits of these practices that you would actually unintentionally be signaling to the rest of the team, I don't want to be at my best. And it's not important to me. Does and that make sense? Look, it's a loaded question because you know I'm back in sport yeah. doing that. <laughs> yes. And, and, but, and, and, but I do, I do feel though, because I mean, at Melbourne, it was such a different scenario because they didn't know Paul and I. So... We, you know, Paul was going to a new club, so we had to build the trust. But the difference as well with Melbourne was these were a bunch of young men who'd had a lot of coaches in a very short period of time. And we were, we were starting at a different level than we did with the Swans. Like we were really supporting them with their own internal belief system because it had been decimated for, you know, they, they'd kind of gotten the hard end of the stick, so to speak. Well, you were building that. That, that fabric of trust or psychological yeah. safety. So yeah. you, you may not be able to answer this question directly, but do you, do you think it worked better for you at the Swans because you had a stable, a more stable base? So do you think you had more impact with the Swans players? That is a really hard question because it's not from desire by the players in wanting to be the best or anything like that. So again, I don't want people to misconstrue my answer here. Um, because I feel the benefits that we reached with both teams was exactly what was meant to happen. Does that make sense? Like it was where they were at. So 
they got what they were able to receive or, or um, feel for themselves or experience based on where they were at to begin with, if that is a better way of answering it. It's a, it's a, it's a great answer. And I really like how you breathed in the middle of that. That was a tough question. I, like I put you on the spot there. So No, no. Uh, I, but but I just, I'm, I'm again, intrigued. Because, I'm curious yeah, to, know, to know the answer to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because if we say there are the three pillars, you've got the craft, you've got the body, you've got the, the, mm. the mind. You know, the, the, the brain is this chunk, okay, the mind is how we train it, totally trainable. And I totally agree with your answer that not just for sport but for elite performance, I think for people listening, make it compulsory. You don't yeah. have a strength and conditioning department saying, hey, you can do weights if you want or we can do a recovery session. You, you do it. It's just mm. like mental skills for so long has been, you know, 20 years ago they were saying it's the new thing. We're still saying now it's the new thing because it's – it's not as concrete. You know, you do bicep curls, you can see the changes. You do bench press, you can see the increase in strength. You swim, you got your time for one kilometer. Yeah. How'd you go on your five-minute meditation today? You might uh, feel it, but it's harder to quantify. Okay, so I'm going to share a very funny story though. So one, I want to just say you're exactly right because it is about trust. That's why I was saying earlier, you have to trust the practice that it's working. It'll be those people outside of you that begin to notice the difference because you can't see it as you said. You know, you just gave the perfect example with training, seeing speed or weight or reps, whatever it might be, or, you know, you play a musical instrument, you know, it's about practice. The more you practice, the better it gets. It's no different with meditation. So when we got to Melbourne again, because they didn't know who we were and I'm, I'm in there telling them about the benefits of meditation and I'm, I'm talking to, um, actually it was, it was phenomenal though. It was really good in Melbourne. I actually ended up speaking to the entire uh, football marketing, the entire organization, like I did a presentation for them about meditation. And then I split off and started working with the players. Um, and I did work with staff as well, separate. So um, it was great that they were understanding the benefits that they could receive. So the players after the first, <laughs> the first session, what unbeknownst to me, they were testing what I'd said. They wanted to see if it really worked. And there was some game, which I am going to show my age. I've got no idea, but it's on your mobile phone. And they were all competing against each other. So all the players, again, so competitive athletes, and they all want to see who gets the best score, fastest time, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we did the meditation and a group of them went out and played the games and they got their best score. And they were that excited. They got their best score. They were like, oh my gosh, I've never done so. <laughs> and I'm laughing going, I can't believe you tested me like that. But it was, it was, it was awesome because it's showing, yes, you, your left and right side of your brain becomes coordinated when you meditate. You create a bridge between the analytical thinking and the right hemis left hemisphere, your right hemisphere, the creative. Create that bridge that's how you get your high answers. That's the focus. That's the peripheral vision. That's this expansion. And that's optimal performance. Mm. I was talking to a corporate friend of mine, Ellen Jackson, who has the Potential Psychology podcast yep. earlier this week. And Ellen and I were just sharing all things podcasting behind the scenes and your learnings. Yeah. And she said she knows a performance psychologist who is starting to specialize in gaming. I went, really? And Actually, it makes sense. We have all these you know, psychology and experts in business and entertainment and sport. Now gaming, so this, this guy, I think it's a wonderful niche. So if you can't get your athletes to get into meditation because of the sport, it's going to help them win their gaming. So whatever works to get people to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So crystal ball, we look forward on two things. One, five year, 10 year, and, and I'll underscore five to 10 year plans now are redundant. You know, COVID changed that. Any five yeah. year plan went to five hour plans. But, but for you, in five to 10 years, what do you want to be doing? What sort of impact do you want to be making? Oh, 
such a good question. And part of what my month off was, was really reflecting on bigger picture things like where do I see my, my vision and what do I wish to be doing? And a lot of it is really just sharing a lot of the teachings that I've been so fortunate through um, experience, the work I've done, my background. I'd really like to um, see that moving forward so that we've got a lot more of that being shared globally, that people have access to it. They know, they know there's techniques and tools to navigate the stress. Um, but even, you know, simple things like you don't need to have all the answers right now. I mean, there's there's so many things that I, I feel that right now messaging that that really would help, you know, individuals. But in general, I, I'd really love to see, yeah, more, more speaking engagements. Another book out there would be amazing. Um, but yeah, so about the five-year plan I, and... And more than likely traveling between the two countries, USA and Australia. When you said your meditation practice, when you're sitting on your deck in Hawaii, I've got to say, I thought of Jack Johnson. I could just, <laughs> I could, I could hear banana pancakes and the, the rustling yeah. and the, the strings of the guitar. So that's you. That's exciting. What yes. about your field? And, and I'm not going to call it meditation because, as I said in the intro, you are mm. much more than that. I'll call it the whole restoration, relaxation, reset perspective, life balance? Where, where do you see that and specifically around this training and relaxation and resetting? I think for most people listening to this, they would recognize just because of the daily news or what we hear on the radio that at the moment we have a crisis in mental health worldwide. Um, every country around the world is being affected. So citizens of all countries, race, um, religion, creed, whatever, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's um, there is a huge urgency to teach this. There is an urgency for people to understand that our mind is not equipped and is burning out. It is overloaded because we are not giving it a rest. We're not pausing. So my feeling is that we're going to become, uh, and it is my hopes, but my, my hope is that it becomes more language about preventative rather than this is what you do because now I'm in crisis. I would love that to flip because at the moment, a lot of people that may want, um, you know, come to me or speak to me are at the crisis point. I would love the dialogue to have changed within this industry enough that people understand it's my personal responsibility to look after my mind because guess what? No one else can, no one except you. So the hope is that um, I know you've spoken a bit about rebranding. I don't know if it needs to have a rebranding of names. Again, I've, I'm calling it love the mind, um, but you need to do those things in order to help yourself navigate life, navigate the challenges, but doing it back from that sense of joy and magic and spontaneity and fun and use your imagination, your creativity. These things are all being dulled down by just sitting on our phones and our devices. We are dulling down and we need to keep our minds, our brains active. And we, by doing that, you know, this is this internal journey. This is what you're doing when you start embracing these techniques. Leading psychologist Bandura talks about self-efficacy. He would just be ecstatic hearing what you explained. Self-efficacy mm. is the power or the power you have to take control of the situation. Yeah. Totally resonate that with, with that, Tammy. I think we sometimes outsource our happiness, outsource our relaxation. Everything you're saying mm. is bring it in. You control it, your body, your mind, take control of it. Have you got a favorite book, a quote, a poem, a movie or something you go to for inspiration? 
Oh, that is a great question. Um, oh gosh, like I've got, I do have a couple of favorite books. The Alchemist has always one of been one of my all time favorites. Paolo Coelho, Charlie. Yes, Paolo Coelho. Uh, I love The Alchemist. That was a book that I just, yeah, amazing. The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, Dan Millman, phenomenal. And but I have to say, a current one that I've absolutely loved and resonated with is Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights, and it is phenomenal. I've it's heard a current. few people talk about that. It is phenomenal. He has the amazing gift of bringing uh, the spirituality into his life and this this awareness and the ups and downs and the highs and lows and just, you know, how he navigated it. So it's really, uh, there was so many things in his book that I just was um, in awe of. And my, my our son, Tyler, he just said he's now like, he goes, that is now my all-time favorite book. And it is up there with mine. It is that good. So okay. I really recommend... Uh, you know, if you really want to, there's just a sense of uh, he really understands. Yeah. Okay. He gets I, it. I've been sitting on the fence a bit because I see these celebrities with their theories, and I've heard too many people now. You've just put the nail in it. I'm going to get just, it. It is. It is honestly. Well, I cannot wait because I was I was out to dinner with someone last week. Um, a CEO and he read it too, and we were just like, oh, oh, <laughs> just quoting things off from the book because, and. It's, it's just, you can't make it up. Like just some of his journey, it's just, it's, it's, it is, um, again, there's that, you know, you can, some people can actually articulate ideas, but when you know you've lived it, it comes through with more wisdom. And that's what I really picked up on this book is there's a sense of wisdom within the book. It was beautiful. I've heard the audio book with Matthew McConaughey. It's really good as well. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I might even download that on audiobooks. No, hey, it's I, a phenomenal. I've asked you a lot of questions. Is there a final question you'd like me to ask you or do you want to flip it and do you want to ask me a question? <sighs> yeah, I'd love to say to you, what do you think is the number one, uh, I guess, uh, need of the hour? specific to what we're talking about or are we going to go i just uh i think yeah in terms of uh where we're at i know that right now there's you know 2021 this ever-changing landscape this fluid landscape that you and i spoke about so what do you think is the greatest need of the hour right now for people to feel i guess more love compassion joy kindness how are you how are we going to do that so people start relaxing further and and don't feel so overwhelmed what do you think is the it's hard to answer this without bringing some cognitive bias on the influence you've mm. had on me today and the work we've done together. But um, I'll just underscore that. I, I think it starts with self. The thing that I saw in COVID, and I've said openly on this podcast, we lost 90% of our business. We had to totally flip our business model. But that started with me. It wasn't blaming anyone else. And look, there's loads of people listening to this who haven't been able to change because mm. their business is in a was in a high traffic area that now there's no traffic. So through no fault of their own, they haven't been able to adapt. But, but I think my example, our example, is first of all, come back to what can you control? You know, control the controllables. It's so easy, Tammy, to get focused on yeah. the news and the feeds and what's happening here and vaccination yeah. or not. And we get whipped into a frenzy politics. What can you control? Bring it back to you. And then I think that second thing, and you led me down this as well, it's connection. Yeah. And I found with COVID, especially when we're all working from home, there was more connection in community. Um, Paul said in a podcast I did with him recently, he said, we've gone from being Australians to we're New South Welshmen and Queenslanders and Tasmanians and Victorians and WAs and Northern Territorians and ACTs and have I missed anyone? Yeah. I think I got everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what I noticed in our community is when we did slow down, I think there's been some benefits from COVID from those who 
could could adapt and go, hey, it's it's shitty, it's it's challenging, but what can I control? And then when we did slow down, I found that I was connecting with community more, connecting with mm. family more as well. So I don't think it's all been bad. So I think if we can take those two things moving forward, no matter what happens, no matter what change, because some of the virologists tell us that this is the second of four or five, meaning we had SARS that was contained, COVID wasn't, they're, they're predicting another two or three. So it is going to be constantly changing landscapes. What can you control? And then make sure you're not an island. No man or woman should be alone and isolated connect with others and uh, love, ease and grace. Love, ease and grace. Yes. No, I, no. And that's great because I think that, I mean, I love your answer around the connection because I think that's the one thing. There's always silver linings. And I think COVID has had some silver linings. If we really, truly, from an environmental standpoint, I, I feel like with the you know, the pollution levels and the, the air quality, there's been some definite, definite um, inroads in that where we've seen the difference and, and things bouncing back quicker or stories of, um, you know, like even here in Hawaii, I've got friends saying they're out and there's, there's, you know, rays just they're out on the longboard and there's rays under them swimming. And you're just like, whoa, the fish, like this, this, you know, uh, proliferation because everything's coming back because it's just calmer and there's just not the pollution. So, and from a personal standpoint, I think what it did allow us is we could, we could, we had the opportunity to reassess what we wanted to do. Hmm. Well, you said that at the start. I think we had that yeah. force period where we had time to actually go, yeah. what, what is meaningful to me? You know, what, what is driving me other than just turning exactly. up and clocking in? So, and I think that that's an absolute silver lining. You know, if it's more time with my family, if it's just, hey, you know, all right, I got to stop. I got to slow down. It might even been that you just read five books that you put off and you wanted to read for 10 years and you finally have the time, but there's silver linings everywhere. And I think that's one of the, the big things of note here. And, and I guess really, I almost feel like this is in closing. The one thing I'd say to all the small and medium business owners is there's so many opportunities during your day to make an impact on not only to you, but to your team and to your office. Starting, you know, your day with a 10 minute breath work or a reflection or make it five minutes. You can have a reset, you know, at lunchtime or in the middle of the afternoon. If you're feeling stressed before a phone call, then again, do something to bring yourself back to the center. If it's, you know, turning around, turn your chair around from your computer, mobiles off and just breathe. Do that. Get your focus and your clarity back before you make that phone call or step outside. But whatever it is, and it comes back to your control the controllables. There's things that you can do right now that you have an ability to do that is going to have an impact on the quality of your thinking. And as we know, our thoughts determine the quality of our life. So if you know that you're actually going to be affecting the quality of your thinking and that that has a positive byproduct on the experiences you have and how you're feeling then there's really no negative to doing this. It's only a positive and everyone benefits. So how can everyone benefit who's listening to this or watching this on our video cast? How can they benefit or how can they connect with you? Where is the best place to find which website and how do we find you on the socials? Yeah, so www.tammyruse.com um, and I've got uh, three different programs there. The Meditation Mindset is a six-week intensive program. There is the Love Your Mind program, which is an online platform uh, with some of the shorter three-minute, five-minute uh, meditations, but there's lots of audios and videos as well. And then there's actually a program for parents with children as well. 
Um, so, you know, the four to 12 year olds. So it's called Sandcastles. And there's meditations there to help your children. So you can find uh, all the details there. So thank Tam- you. TammyRuse.com. Hey, thank you. And my passing three words to you is love, ease, and grace. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. And best wishes to all of you and wishing everyone a very happy 2021. Hey, it's Andrew again, and we hope you enjoyed that interview. Just a quick note to remember to please go to nab.com.au slash businessfit. We hope you really liked this episode and received lots of value, and we would love it if you can go to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast and click on the subscribe button. We'd also really appreciate it if you share it with friends or colleagues you think might also benefit from these messages. And we'd really appreciate if you can rate and review it. We love seeing your messages and love seeing your ratings. Okay, that's it for this time. We look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode of NAB Business Fit.